So we're going to take a closer look at uh, one of the songs we have in the Scriptures. Go back to the songbook there in the middle of your Bibles. Um, songs that really help us express as individuals and as a church uh, how we can and should respond to the whole array of life circumstances. Um, when we use this language and sing these words, it shapes our hearts. That's not something we need to be taught on the power of, of song. It steers our emotions uh, in a way that is honest, in a way that's honoring uh, to the Lord. Uh, so Psalm 61, you can follow along. It's printed for you in the back of the bulletin there. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you and my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Anoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. The song of David and of all God's people. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you that you give us words to sing back to you. Words that touch our hearts and words that express how we're feeling. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would speak faithfully now through us, or to us through uh, your word. Um, help us to be attentive and move in us, Holy Spirit, as you are working uh, to accomplish your word in us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I stopped to talk with uh, my neighbor, Larry, on a stroll around the block this last week, and Larry's a delightful man to talk to, very friendly. But I could tell he was a little frustrated. And uh, Larry is uh, an avid fisherman, and he loves to fish the Arkansas River. And uh, maybe you know why he's frustrated because of this. Uh, with all of the rain we have and uh, such a wet season, uh, the river is very high, and it's moving quickly. And uh, I need to confirm this with Josh Childress before this morning. Didn't do that, but... Uh, the average flow rate for the Arkansas River, at least in this part of the river by, by Little Rock here, is around 40,000 to 60,000 cubic feet a second, average. Well, right now, we are upwards of 180,000, even 200,000 uh, cubic feet uh, per second. So the river is moving very, very quickly, and you can get swept down the river in a small boat very uh, quickly. It can be quite dangerous, quite disorienting uh, if you're on the river. Where am I now? Where am I going? Um, not to mention just the feeling of vulnerability with that amount of water um, moving. And uh, maybe you can hear as we read this psalm, desperation in the psalmist's voice, almost like he's being swept. David is crying out for help. He's crying out with confidence knowing that the Lord will protect him. And so the psalm isn't specific, but it's part of this collection of songs that we have in, in Psalm 61 through 63, um, where David is, is spending time away from home. He's spending time on the run. And he may be in the wilderness of Judah, escaping 
King Saul who's threatening his life. Maybe much later where he had to run from uh, the city of Jerusalem where his son Absalom was making this attempted coup. But we see that a common theme in these, at least in these three songs, where David is longing for God's presence and the security of the royal throne. He's confident of God's goodness, confident of God's protection, and that's building in Psalm 61 to 63. But like you and me, he doesn't know how that's going to play out from day to day. You know, some days the water's just flowing very quickly. That's a bit dangerous. We may feel like we're being swept down river and we're not sure how God is leading and even where he's taking us. Okay, what purpose might he have in this affliction? Um, how will it be used in my life and the life of those around me? So this song is a prayer of lament. It's a royal lament that can be offered by all the children of God. So we're going to take a closer look at the psalmist's prayer for security and praise uh, that he offers to God uh, for safety. He says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you, for my heart is faint. We don't know the exact circumstance that he's facing, but we hear the effect that it has on him. David's weary. He's depressed. There is this, this tone of, of despair as God seems very distant from him. And so he may be physically distant from what he knows and from what he loves, um, but this language also pictures a spiritual distance, a spiritual weariness. Uh, later in Psalm 102, digs a little further into a heart that is faint. This is a heart that is just struck down, groaning in distress, unable to find rest. Maybe you've, you've been so worried or fearful, not just for yourself, but for another, that you could not rest. You could not sleep. Your heart was just aching. All it could do was cry out. I remember holding my son in the hospital, and he was two years old, and struggling for every breath. And the doctor said, well, he's dying of pneumonia. And so as tears ran down my face, all I could do was cry out. My heart was faint. Or maybe it's a journey that you are on right now, and you're absolutely exhausted. You're floating. It seems like you're floating uncontrollably down the river, and all you want to do is get out of the boat. Not as some firm land that's not moving. Could be decisions about school or a place to work. It's weighing heavy upon you. Maybe the plans that you made for this season of life, they're, they're floating this way and you seem to be moving this way. You're just physically, emotionally exhausted, caring for one that you love. Maybe in parenting or trying to save or sustain a relationship that's been you know, just strained for so long. Your heart is faint. You cry out to God with the psalmist. And David continues this prayer, and he uses a series of images that actually move us closer to the heart of God, closer to that place of security and protection really images that a fainting heart needs. It starts at the end of verse 2. Oh God, lead me to the rock. 
that is higher than I. A rock is immovable. It's secure. It's a picture of, of protection. Strategic place to find direction and refuge. The early travelers down the Arkansas River, after they had passed the higher bluffs on their left, on the north side of the river, they would come around the bend and they would see La Petite Roca. I think that's French for Little Rock. Um, this little rock, but it jetted out into the river. So they, they knew exactly where it was or where, where they were on their journey. The rock is far less noticeable now with 200 years of development. But there it was, a fixed landmark. And for the psalmist, this is God himself, the very rock of Israel, a rock that is higher, a rock that is exalted, the royal protector of his people. And when we look to that rock and stand upon the rock of ages, we are safe, secure. When you stand high on a rock, it gives you, I mean, it gives you a whole new perspective, doesn't it? You see, maybe for the first time, or maybe you see again things from God's perspective. The perspective of His sovereignty and control over the smallest details of our story. The perspective of His grace and mercy that smiles upon us and sings over us because we are His very own in Jesus. That's the rock we look for. The rock we stand on power and a strength that's so much higher than any affliction or any enemy that we face. Now we move a little closer. I even say a little closer to safety. In verse 4, let me dwell in your tent forever. We know this from going through Exodus. We read about it again in Numbers. Of the Lord dwelling among His people in the tent, in the tabernacle. That was the place that they could go and meet with Him and worship Him. And so David is longing for this, to, to share in fellowship with God, to be that honored guest in his tent where there is sweet communion. And perhaps one of the more difficult things uh, to reconcile during this season, during this pandemic, is having to, to step back, at least to some degree, from inviting others into our homes. Um, or spending time around the table together, okay? exercising that hospitality among friends now we have to think a little bit more about that be a little more creative um, which is not something that we've been used to doing okay? but our longing like the psalmist is to meet with the hospitality of the lord to worship him to enjoy feasting with the one who is our rock and and next week i look forward to feasting with you around the table as we celebrate the sacrament together hope you can be there for that. Then we get the most personal image of all. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. It's like a mother bird spreading her wings over her young, keeping them warm, protecting them from the elements, willing to risk the danger by covering them. We've read uh, this in Psalm 57. Again in Psalm 94, He will cover you with His pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. So this is the most personal, this is the affectionate shelter of our God. The most secure place for us. And here's the, the wonder of God's word, and it's really the assurance for 
uh, those united to Christ in faith and assurance, all of these images find their fulfillment in Jesus. Uh, Jesus claims to be uh, each of these things in relationship to his people, the church. Luke chapter 13, Jesus is lamenting over the people of Israel who continue to reject him, reject uh, the truth. He says, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you would not. Jesus comes in humiliation. He comes willing to endure the greatest danger to protect his own, to spread his wings over them, keep them unharmed. In John chapter 2, Jesus answered his accusers saying, destroy this temple in three days. Um, I will raise it up. So Jesus is the the completion of all that the temple represents. It's Jesus, in Jesus, that we come face to face with our God. That we're enabled to worship Him. Enjoy sweet communion with Him. It's the Spirit of Christ that indwells us and unites us now as a living temple unto the Lord. And as the Word made flesh, He is our rock. The Bible tells us He's a rock of offense for those who would turn from Him and and reject His grace, determined to to make their own way and try and secure their own blessing and peace with God according to their own standard. But for disciples of Jesus, He is the Rock of Ages. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle is reminding the church, he's warning the church who is identified with God's people um, <clears throat> in the wilderness and being delivered uh, from uh, Egypt. <clears throat> he says what happened in the days of old, what happened in leaving Egypt, going through the wilderness, this is an example for us. In the wilderness, they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. As Moses struck that rock and, and life pours out, so the Lord Jesus was struck that we might have life. We might be secure and safe in the face of any enemy, even death itself. So the psalmist is crying out from that place of desperation, adversity. It's really in those places that, that that's where a deeper love for God arises. In those places and times that we long for His presence, there's wings spread over us. And could, could it be that's what the Lord is showing you and me during this time? What His desire is for the church in uncertainty and, I mean, potential division or falling away. Will we cry out to Him? Will our dependence and, and trust in Christ deepen even when we are unsure in how to respond? Unsure what's happening around us. Unsure about resources. Unsure about health or travel. It's enough to make our hearts faint. So we cry out to God, the rock that is higher, our refuge, our shelter. One of the great Christian thinkers and apologists of our time, Ravi Zacharias, went to his eternal reward uh, this last week. His memorial service was on Friday. But when he was asked about his need and desire for Jesus, he's remembered for saying this. I came to him because I did not know 
which way to turn. I remained in him because there is no other way I wish to turn. I came to him longing for something I did not have. I remain with him because I have something I will not trade. I came to him as a stranger. I remain with him in the most intimate of friendships. I came to him unsure about the future. I remain with him certain about my destiny. There's a confidence. You can hear it in Ravi's testimony. But there's a confidence that seems to sweep over the psalmist in the latter part of this song. An assurance that comes for David. He's confident that the Lord will answer vows that he's already made. Vows to offer the most high praise and thanksgiving to walk in obedience to him. When we read that language of, of heritage, it often refers to land in which to dwell, but more so in this case, the, the relationship, the benefits that come in relationship with the living God. The blessing, the heritage of God's anointed really is without limit. Remember, we went through Psalm 16. You think of that language, the beautiful inheritance, pleasures forevermore uh, at the right hand of God. So David prays for prosperity of the king. In verses uh, 6 and 7, we were living in the UK. We might hear God save the queen, just as this terse prayer for the well-being of, of the crown, of the throne. But David prays, prolong the life of the king, which may be for himself and may be for future worshipers. The Lord is going to protect the house of David because he's promised to do this. There is this enduring relationship between the kingdom of God and the house of David. And you can look at 2 Samuel 7 for more details about that covenant. But in confidence, David is proclaiming this succession, this uninterrupted succession, the kingdom until the very arrival of Jesus. Sometimes I wonder just how much David knew. You know, could he ever have imagined how his prayer would be answered in the Lord Jesus. In Christ, in the Messiah, the true king in the line of David. In him, God's people share in the blessings of his reign. We read in Ephesians 2, united to Christ, we've been raised up with him and we're seated in the heavenly places. And all the way to the end of the, the story in John's Revelation, chapter 22, the new world and the heavenly a kingdom on earth the lord's servants will have him as their light and they will reign forever and ever so in christ our king we can sing these words on behalf of ourselves on behalf of, of one another god's steadfast love and faithfulness will watch over us then he goes back to uh, the first person in verse 8 fully expects to fulfill his vows to the Lord out of gratitude. He will give praise and thanks to God, his rock, his refuge, uh, not just every now and then, but with day after day. The psalmist knows that there is a gratitude that simply cannot be exhausted. There is a debt that cannot be repaid. And so he will live out his promises with every day that the Lord gives. The great English poet George Herbert he expressed this well. 
He said, Surely thy sweet and wondrous love shall measure all my days, and as it never shall remove, so neither shall my praise. So the Lord's anointed has taken us from a heart that is faint, crying out to the Lord in distress, crying out in affliction to this place of enduring gratitude and thankfulness uh, for God's uh, faithfulness and love. So when you find yourself drifting, you're drifting down um, the river of life, disoriented, confused, longing for security, safety, look to the rock that is higher. Consider His enduring love and faithfulness. See the goal. See where you're headed as a child of God. I listened to a podcast recently, and it was talking about the state of the church, B.C., not before Christ, but before coronavirus, and what it might look like after that. And as I listened, it was, it was a little depressing, potentially disappointing. Maybe you felt that way, thinking about the church or in your own family during this season. But when we read and hear words of this song and so many other psalms as we've, as we've looked at, I mean, it's a wonderful reminder that God does not disappoint his servants. God does not disappoint his children. Even in the affliction, even the, the struggles, there is an enduring joy because they've tested us and, re, and refined our faith. They've drawn us closer into the heart of God. Reformer John Calvin, he said, momentary and short-lived troubles have only the effect of promoting the eternal welfare of God's people. Cry out to Him when your heart is faint. Look to the rock that has always been and always will be your refuge. And find safety, find security under the shelter of His wings. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful that we can sing these words to ourselves and sing these words to one another. That You are the rock that is higher. It's you that we stand upon, and when we do so, we are safe and secure. Lord, we thank you for the rock, Christ, who is struck for us, the rock of ages, to whom we sing, to whom we give praise, our eternal King. Lord Jesus, be glorified in us, your church. In times of confusion, we feel disoriented, we feel uncertain in these days. Stand us firmly upon the solid rock. We pray this in His name, for His sake. Amen.